I'm here with Samantha Kelly and Angela Schneiders uh, from Fierce. Uh, Samantha is the president and founder of Fierce. And could you give a quick description of what Fierce is? Sure, yeah. So Fierce Athlete is a nonprofit for female athletes. Our whole goal is to promote true identity and femininity within female athletics based off the teachings of the Catholic Church. Okay. And and part of your outreach is uh, retreats and talks, conferences you give. And can you go through some of the services you provide? Sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, on more of a, a wide range, nationwide, global level, we're doing some social media stuff. And then I have a podcast, Fierce Athlete Podcast. Uh, but then, yeah, I'm out speaking a lot. I lead a lot of uh, retreats for athletes, um, as well as some camps and some clinics uh, we do a fierce athlete physical and spiritual training clinic. So it's kind of a marriage between a strength and conditioning clinic uh, for high schoolers uh, mixed with uh, a theology of the body retreat and some talks and formation surrounding that. Mm -hmm. I saw your Instagram account. You make videos like little reflections and a couple minutes long. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do some just quick formational videos. Uh -huh. We've done a Lent challenge in the past, which a lot of people get excited about. I'm encouraging them to work out, encouraging athletes to offer their workouts up and try to provide a little formation as well. Okay. And your background is, uh, you played basketball for you? Or no, sorry. Soccer. soccer. I'm soccer six feet tall, guys. so a lot of people yeah, think I played basketball or volleyball. But yeah, I was a soccer player for the University of Connecticut. Ah. And you played four years for them? And Actually five. So coming into my freshman year, I blew out my knee. They told yeah. me I'd never play again. Wow. And uh, ACL, thing. ACL, LCL, and meniscus. It was uh, three surgeries, 13 months recovery, but I'm stubborn and uh, wow. <laughs> just really worked hard to get back yeah. and then ended up taking a fifth year. So I ended up um, staying for four and a half years. What position did you play? Uh, well, coming in, I was a center back and then mm. ended up as a center forward. So my coach was notorious for not letting you be comfortable. So he saw my height and knew I was good in the air. So he yeah. made me a forward. So yeah. a lot of head balls. A lot of head balls. <laughs> that was my specialty. Yep, absolutely. And no after effects from that? <laughs> no, not that I know of. <laughs> Maybe somebody Remains should tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and your academic background, what did you study? Yeah, so I studied finance and political science. I uh, thought I wanted to be a lawyer, and then I thought I wanted to work in finance, and then um, ended up having a beautiful conversion experience when I was a junior in college. And uh, after that, the Lord called me to be a missionary with Focus and Varsity Catholic. So I did that for oh, five years. Okay. But then since I've oh, gotten five my... years, like two, two tours, huh? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. And then since I got my master's uh, in Catholic psychology from Divine Mercy University, and then I'm currently pursuing um, certification in strength and conditioning. Hmm. Yeah. And with that, do you hope to work as a, like a physical coach? So it's all aimed towards fierce. My, oh. my goal, a lot of the research we've done, we found that integration and conversion happens in the one-on-one -on -one encounter mm -hmm. with, with women. So my goal is to be mentoring women on a spiritual level, but also a mm -hmm. physical level. So I can oh. be training them and then you know, infuse that with spiritual principles. Oh. So part of your clinics would involve the, the physical. Absolutely. Therapy. Yep. So, and then um, you, uh, where did you serve as a focus missionary? So I was at the University of Texas for oh. three years. Worked with their student athletes, which was super fun. I worked with their national championship volleyball team and a bunch of their different athletes. Mm -hmm. And then I got promoted to be a regional director. So I got moved to Philadelphia, which is where I am now. But did that for two years and oversaw um, seven or eight campuses up and down the East Coast during that time. And then also in between all that, you were <laughs> worked at the Theology of the Body Institute? Yes, yep. So after my focus uh, time, uh, I just, yeah, didn't know what the Lord really wanted me to do. And uh, Angela actually encouraged me to dream and just spent time dreaming and in prayer and um, female athletics uh, femininity and theology of the body were the three things that came to my heart. And mm -hmm. so I'd been to a course of the Theology of the Body Institute and it had drastically changed my life and my my view of myself, my view of my body, my view of my sexuality, my view of my femininity. Um, so I 
um, got this inspiration to start Fierce. So started that on the side, but then worked full-time at the Theology of the Body Institute for two years and went through a lot of formation with them, which has really been helpful for Fierce. But then Fierce at that point was established and getting big enough that I went full-time with it about a year and a half ago. And then we kind of skipped over the conversion story, but those are usually exciting. <laughs> sure, yeah. Tell us that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. So I grew up in a Catholic home. I grew up in Connecticut. Uh, parents were faithful. We went to you know Sunday Mass and daily Mass during Lent. Um, but I kind of viewed God as um, you know somebody sitting up in the clouds, not necessarily involved in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm very thankful for the foundation that my parents laid. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a personal relationship with our Lord and viewed my faith as just something that made me a good person. And so, yeah, I was a, you know, top, top student, top athlete, very driven individual, um, nine times state champion in high school between soccer track and ice hockey. And it was a dream of mine to play division one soccer. So ended up going to the university of Connecticut, which was a top 25 program. And, but like I said earlier, uh, my senior year of high school, I blew out my knee pretty bad. So I show up at my dream and I'm not playing, sitting on the bench. And, you know, everything was different. I entered into a a team, and and this is pretty across the board with college athletics, but some of the the cultures that are um, on college campuses amongst teams are pretty toxic. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a play hard, party hard mentality. Uh, There's a lot of same sex attraction. Um, a lot of promiscuity going on and um, yeah really over the first two years was trying to fit in and, and doing things that you know kind of were against my upbringing and just drinking some and I was really miserable really really miserable um, even when I came back to playing my knee you know it took another two years before I was at the level that I had been at prior and um, yeah I was just kind of secretly depressed and, and miserable and my junior year um, I was in preseason and preseason's awful. <laughs> I mean, it's great, but you know, you're doing two days in mm-hmm. 90, 95 degree heat. You know, you're, you're doing extra conditioning, you're weightlifting, you're doing film, you're with, you know, these 25 teammates, you know, every hour of the day. They study film and soccer. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. You, they would record us playing and we'd study it. They would record other teams playing. We'd study it. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty extensive. So, um, yeah, it was a Sunday night and I was desperate to get away from my team. And I said, huh, I bet my coach will let me go to mass. So I went to mm-hmm. mass and um, it was the first day that Focus had arrived on campus ever. And I was the only student at mass because it was early August. No, none of the other student population was on campus yet. And I met a missionary and there's just something about her. At, at, <laughs> it's funny, I joke with her now. At first I was like, who does this girl think she is? But she had the joy that I was seeking. Mm-hmm. It was very apparent uh, and ended up. Um, through her invitation, joining her Bible study, because I just was like, well, why not? You know, my, my mom and my sister were encouraging me to get involved with my faith again and um, ended up going to their conference that winter and having a really a radical moment of conversion, um, an encounter with our Lord and adoration. Like the big Sikh conference? Yeah, oh. yep, yep. So they have a big adoration, mm-hmm. and it was it was a 180-degree, you know, moment. And I, I will say like the Lord preserved me a lot in those years. Um, and my, you know, my foundation for my upbringing preserved me from a lot of hurt that could have happened, but still I didn't have that personal relationship with the Lord until I met him in the Eucharist in that moment. And, um, you know, athletes were all in when something's true and when we want to perceive something we're all in. So I was all in after that. And it turned mm-hmm. to developing a prayer life and then really reaching out to my teammates and starting a Bible study on our team and mentoring different individuals and walking with them through different issues that they were dealing with and bringing them back to their faith. Yeah. And that kind of was the um, projectile onto the missionary work and the call to, to become a missionary. And I've always wondered this about focus that, that like they're open to mentoring by practically a peer, you know, that, like you're on the team too and you're working with them or um when i was a student yeah yeah, yeah absolutely oh, but later as a later on okay. as a as a yeah. missionary yep. yeah um i would work with with different athletes if they were open to it oh, yeah mm-hmm. and angela we need to bring you in <laughs> <laughs> you're on the the board of uh, chairman of my board chairman yeah of board. chairman yeah. of the board so i was really uh, blessed to get to meet uh, Sam, when she was a junior at UConn, I was a regional director at the time, also for Focus, 
and um, was overseeing a lot of the campuses on the East Coast. And uh, I was making a campus visit <laughs> and um, Sam tracked me down and started a beautiful friendship, which was over 10 years ago now. So we've been on this incredible adventure together for the past 10 years. And um, this, this really is the culmination of so many of her experiences in her heart. And it's just been the greatest gift to get to accompany her in, in getting this launched. So, yeah. We, and, uh, and you were a track athlete in college? Um, I actually played basketball in college. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. What so, position? Uh, shooting guard. Okay. So I played at um, Division three school, Washington University in St. Louis, uh -huh. but was fortunate to be there uh, really at their, their peak. Um, when I came in in uh, 99 and 2000, they were coming off of three consecutive national championships. And then my freshman year, we won again, 33 and 0. Uh -huh. I can brag about it because I, I was a freshman uh, practicing varsity, but didn't, didn't travel. But um, it was an amazing experience because uh, our, our coach, Nancy Fay and a number of our uh, starters now in the Women's Hall of Fame, so in a sense, you know, God gave me my dream. I always wanted to get a ring and, you know, that pursuit of um, just excellence in athletics. Mm -hmm. I was a three-sport varsity athlete in high school. And yet um, in, in receiving that gift, there was a lot to be desired. And um, I decided not to continue playing, unfortunately, predominantly because of the toxic environment mm -hmm. that a lot of our teams um, are right now. So in college, mm -hmm. you decided not to continue. Correct. I stopped playing after my freshman year. So oh, wow. I did. Wow. Yeah. So I, I kind of kind of had that mountaintop experience with the yeah. team. Um, but and that I was in the early 2000s. Yes. Yeah. So that was um, in 2000. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the toxic environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I watched the movie. Was it the Mighty Max? And, yeah, that was about I, Teresa Grantz. She was yeah. she was uh, actually very involved with focus in uh, in the mid 2000s really? and um, when I was I grew up outside of Champaign-Urbana mm -hmm. and Teresa Grantz was actually part of the first um, national championship women's basketball team in college playing at Immaculata College in Pennsylvania outside of Philadelphia mm -hmm. and so she actually um, coached the Olympic team at one point she was at Rutgers and then she became the head coach at the University of Illinois when I was in junior high so I would attend all of Teresa's basketball camps and um, she was very involved in our local community and actually is a daily communicant. She's a devout Catholic and was very involved with Focus for a number of years, kind of pre-Varsity Catholic. And um, She was the coach in the movie? Or? She was one of the, player, the star of the players. players. Okay. Exactly, okay. exactly, okay. yeah. And so um, the toxicity then would be did I, did you finish that point? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I wanted, yeah, the point I was trying to make was that, yeah, that the Catholic school system, universities really launched women's sports. Mm -hmm. Truly. And we're, we're Catholic, you know, Catholic, they say Catholics are like holding women's back and all this kind of stuff all the time, but they really pushed it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I learned that in the movie. I didn't mm -hmm. know that, but, um, but what was the toxicity that you encountered? Well, I think, um, Unfortunately, and this was even my experience, um, I, I kind of played all sports as, uh, as a child and growing up, everything from soccer to softball and basketball, volleyball. Um, but in high school, I made the decision to step back from a lot of those sports and end up running cross country track. And then the main focus was basketball, primarily because um, there's just a lot of con gender confusion amongst a lot of our female athletics right now. And um, I think both Sam and I have experienced that we've got women who um, tend to be, don't fit the standard cultural view of what it is to be feminine. Uh, maybe they're, they're taller or more aggressive or have a physical strength that um, in our very narrow scope of what it is to be feminine in the world today, they would consider themselves unfeminine or maybe they didn't receive as much attention from the guys as other gals who are cheerleaders or you know, five foot two or something. And so because of that, um, there tends to be a lot of uh, either same sex attraction um, or just a lack of, a lack of integration and, and, or a dichotomy that to be a female and an athlete means um, I'm not feminine or an over, um, or even an overcompensation then to be promiscuous to prove that I am feminine or I am attracted to guys. And um, my experience, I was very fortunate 
primarily through my experiences in both cross country and track to be around some of the most phenomenal women who were deeply integrated. Um, I grew up in a wonderful Catholic home, but my small community that I grew up in was predominantly evangelical. And so um, while my parents laid a beautiful foundation, it was really these evangelical sisters of mine on my cross country and track teams that really modeled what it was to be a disciple of Christ and just through their joy and much in the same way that Samantha encountered that in our focus missionaries, um, the joy they exuded, I just, I wanted that level of intimacy with Christ that they had. And so I was really blessed to have very virtuous, beautiful, fun friendships in high school through my cross country and track teammates, which really cultivated my just love for Christ and my desire to have a more intimate relationship with him. And then those same friends really began to challenge me about why I was Catholic, um, which really sparked my deeper conversion and um, quest to really understand the, the teachings of the church and ultimately led to me really discovering Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, mm. So when I went off to Wash U to play basketball, I was really on fire with the Catholic faith, but uh, there wasn't varsity Catholic. There wasn't a strong, a, a large Catholic presence on my university. So um, it, it just made it very difficult for me to continue growing in the faith juxtaposing that with the environment that I was spending four to five hours with my teammates, you yeah. know, on the basketball court. So I know I've, I've thought about that, like with the women's Olympic soccer team and stuff, mm -hmm. and they have such a pro gay mm -hmm. agenda. I think at one point, one game, they're wearing like the rainbow flag. On Correct. The, mm -hmm. I think one, one player dropped off the team. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like you're in a horrible situation to maybe divisive in the locker room if you're not on board with this. And I'm like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. What do y'all tell? Like, uh, Samantha, what do you tell some students that are in that bind? Of, uh... Yeah. Well, we always want to make sure we're approaching those individuals with love and compassion. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know what they've been through. Mm -hmm. I, I found that a lot of the women that I work with, the reason that they um, have struggled with same-sex attraction is, is the result of abuse, mm -hmm. um, which is rampant among young women today. So... You know, we want to be compassionate, um, but also, you know, not be afraid to to speak the truth. You're right. There mm -hmm. was an individual um, who, yeah, refused to wear that uniform. Mm -hmm. um, she was a Christian and as a result was let off the national team. Yeah. And that's, yeah, in that moment, what would I do? You know, you're giving up your dream, but, yeah, you know, she was really convicted about what God was calling her to. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I would agree. I was I was disappointed in, in some regards with the national team. Um, you know, not so much, oh, okay, like if an individual is struggling, like that's, mm -hmm. that's fine. But it was, you know, the statements were made like, well, we only won because we had gay people on our team. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're taking, uh, um, your sexuality and projecting it, you know, yeah. in that way, it's like, even if I was, you know, well, we only won because I'm a heterosexual, like, or mm -hmm. it, it just, why are you taking that and politicizing it and using your platform? And, and yeah. I think coupled with that, there was just a, a lack of professionalism. Right. amongst the women in some of their their speeches and things like that and not all you know I know there's some good Christian women on the team and um, but the persona wasn't wasn't really professional that yeah. was um, yeah that was exhibited right. after their win yeah it just seemed like it's such a a morale or minefield or something for like the Christian athlete today because it seemed like you'd be ostracized if you're not on board with all this stuff, you right. know, and that just seemed like very difficult. But so well, let's talk about the solution, maybe some things that you teach um, your organization's fierce athletes. And so the, the F is an acronym for femininity. Yep. And what is the, how do y'all work that out now? Because the <laughs> culture say one thing about women and yet, you know, you're trying to yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to bring you through the acronym because mm -hmm. I think it, it okay. summarizes a lot of the formation, mm -hmm. um, which is funny because, you know, when I formed this, the name Fierce came to me in mass, actually, and the acronym came to me in mass. And I had no idea at that point really what mm -hmm. it meant. I just knew these were some of the tenants we wanted to hit. And um, and we should say, too, that like there is such a push on athletics, men and women. It's like crazy even like high school level travel teams, all this energy year round stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the, yeah, the emphasis on, was it the Nike commercial talks about women being fierce and stuff. So it's like, I love that, that Christians get in there and try to orient it towards the kingdom and take what's good. Right. 
So yeah, there's a reason yeah. I named it fierce. You know, yeah. I wanted it to be attractive. The yeah. tenants I'm going to go through aren't something mm. things I project out there. Like I want yeah. any athlete because they right. any athlete, whether they're Catholic, Christian, or non-Catholic, need to learn these truths about who mm. they are as women and the importance of their bodies and their femininity. Um, so the name was was intentional, yeah. so that it would be yeah. attractive. Um, right. But yeah, the, those pillars. So the F stands for femininity, and um, that's the that's the big question we're asking. You know, I, I for years believed that because I was athletic, six feet tall, muscular, I was not feminine. And that's just a lie. Um, so, so yeah, that's just kind of the overarching um, theme. The I is identity. So we have to start with identity. As, as athletes, as people in our culture, you know, we base our identity off of um, performance, off of what we do. You know, athletes are constantly needing to perform. Um, we base it off of what we look like and we base it off of what others think of us. So whether that's teammates, fans, coaches, you know, we're reducing um, our identity to those things. And, and the problem with that is, um, you know, it, it creates the statement, well, if only I do X, I'm worthy of love. Or if only I look like X, I'm worthy of love. Or if only I appease my coach, I'm worthy of love. And that just sets people up for failure. So the first thing we do is just try to um, teach young women that your identity is, is in the fact that you've been created as a daughter of God. Start there. You, it's not what you do or don't do. Um, you've just been created as a daughter of God. Uh, but you've been given these amazing gifts, and you should use them to the fullness of their potential. Mm-hmm. So, so that's I, identity. Um, then E is embodiment. So um, just talking about, you know, as human beings, we are body and soul. And athletics, you know, the body is the art form. And so we um, talk a lot about the beauty of the human body. And that's, a, that's something that a lot of women and particularly athletes struggle with. And so we talk about um, the beauty of the human body and uh, the beauty of the, the female human body. Mm-hmm. Um, R is receptivity. So by our bodies as women uh, in the sexual act, we are receptive and we bear forth life. And so that is really how we live out our femininity is through that receptivity to others and through bearing forth life. And so we talk a lot about this concept of receptivity and how that pervades many areas. You know, I can be receptive um, on the on the soccer field when I'm receptive to my teammates. I can be receptive to suffering. I can be receptive to my teammates. I can constantly be living out of this place of, of femininity. Um, and so, you know, really establishing that, you know, by the fact that I was created a woman, I have a female body, I am feminine, and then here is how I can really embrace that and live that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the C is Catholicism. So, you know, all of our teachings, I said it's for every athlete, but all of our teachings come back to the truth, uh, the truths established by the, by the Catholic faith and, and some of the truths brought out by John Paul II in Theology of the Body. Um, and then E is encounter. So, you know, that, that second part of femininity is that ability to bear forth life into the world. And um, it's important once individuals learn these things about themselves that they have a willingness to, to share it. And so we talk a lot about encountering and coming alongside your friends and your teammates and, and loving them and, and modeling these truths. And if they're in a place to receive it, um, having discussions with them about these different different things. Yeah. And, you know, a question I'm interested in, too, is seeing how like women approach sports differently. I grew up playing a lot of soccer. We, I grew up, they had a, up in North Alabama, they had a, a lot of Nigerian students mm-hmm. at a, an A&M school. And, um, and we would go and watch these Nigerians play soccer. You know? <laughs> and they loved to pass it around and dink it around. And I just fell in love with their style of play, a lot of clever passes and stuff. And, and I was watching the Women's World Cup this year, or the, yeah, the World Cup, and um, and I was prepared not to like it. You know, I was looking for an opportunity not to like sure. this. But what I like about their game a lot is the passing. Yeah, they pass more than men. Yep. In some way, I mean, John Wooden said that years ago. He said women were playing at a better basketball mm-hmm. than men. We just have ISO ball and basketball where everybody pushes aside. Michael Jordan, yeah. LeBron drives to the. Yep. He gets a foul or does something. And and so it's a much better game in yep. some ways. I mean, I think the men have like the that sheer kind of athleticism that, you know, you see these guys yeah. in basketball, especially what they can do. It's just staggering. But um, so 
do you see that like their own gift in the game that's manifested absolutely yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. and that that's it's really beautiful because sport reveals the inherent difference between the genders mm -hmm. you think about it men um i'm all about theology of the body so men the height of their masculinity revealed through the sexual act they get they're the giver they, they sacrifice themselves so the height of their masculinity is sacrifice mm -hmm. so there's a reason men you know when they're playing basketball it's a little bit more individualistic they're driving to the hoop they're sacrificing mm -hmm. their bodies and then women were receptive. And so we have a greater receptivity to others. So yeah. that's why women, when they play basketball, it's more team oriented. Yeah. And so it's yeah. really fascinating that just on a very natural level, yeah. the games are different. Yeah. And I think that's revealed through how we're living out our masculinity and our femininity. Yeah. And like you mentioned, like the focus, well, like maybe the encounter part, and the receptivity part, women's gifts, that how that can aid to build a team and strengthen the team, maybe to play better. But also, I mean, like with big money sports, it just seems like, you know, it's all about them, you know, mm -hmm. the individual. And uh, sometimes it's frustrating as a fan to see that. But um, that, maybe I was wondering too, that somebody was telling me they, oh, this guy was an assistant coach for women's hockey and, um, and also the women's softball coach here at Alabama was telling me she's an assistant coach. Yeah. And she said she's some, a good friend. She's oh, awesome. Allie? Yeah, yeah. She's great. Yeah. I was just with her two days ago. Down oh, there. really? Yeah. Yeah. She, she was telling me sometimes that, uh, you know, like a, a male coach can sometimes not realize the impact. Sometimes he gives like a harsh criticism or something. And it's like her experience was like the, the woman athlete maybe need a little more support, not as much, criticism yeah, or something. Absolutely. <laughs> a little bit more richer yeah. emotional life you had to guard there. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Do you do you talk about that element? Uh, like you know, that how it could help women grow in terms of um, you're shaking your head mm -hmm. Angela. You know what I mean? About like their emotionally and independence maybe and things. Absolutely. And I think even going back to you know, to Sam's beautiful point that women naturally have a capacity to receive the whole person, to see the person, that active receptivity that we embody, and that can um, be cultivated and nurtured in sport so beautifully that, again, our femininity has nothing to do with our physical appearance or how tall we are or how skinny we are, any of those things. Our femininity at its root is our ability to live out that gift of ourself and that active receptivity. Yeah. And the beauty of sport, when we're sacrificing ourselves or making that gift to our teammates, you know, for a greater goal, sport can actually be such a beautiful tool in the school of love. Mm -hmm. So rather than uh, distorting our femininity and distorting our sexual identity, it can be a, a fullness and expression of it. And I was very fortunate to get to see Sam play during her, her fifth year at the University of Notre Dame when UConn was, was playing uh, Notre Dame. And it was just a thing of beauty, you know, to, to watch my friends on the sports field. It's, it's an expression of their art and it's an expression of, of their physicality. And so rather than being this deconstructive event, sport has the capacity when, it's f when our femininity is fully integrated to be an expression of beauty and of art and of self-gift. Right. And Sam has done such a beautiful job, and as she's accompanied now thousands of women, of teaching them that our very bodies are a prayer. Mm -hmm. And that when Jesus was on the cross making that total gift of himself, every time that we're in the midst of a workout, um, we're making that gift of ourself in and through our body by staying in the ache. You know, mm -hmm. our Lord chose to stay upon the cross. Um, he chose to stay in that ache because he trusted the Father would fulfill his promise and fulfill his work of redemption. And in the same way, when we're going through a grueling workout or sacrificing or preparing, um, that is an expression of staying in that pain, trusting there's a greater good that will mm -hmm. come from it. Mm -hmm. So rather than being this toxic environment, sport can be such a beautiful school uh, to grow in holiness and to understand the depth of our dignity and our, our capacity as young women are in their formative years, especially in preparation for that ultimate vocation, perhaps to marriage or to religious life or become a consecrated single, to make that gift of themselves in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing. And it's so powerful. And Sam has done this so beautifully, both for her work in Focus at Varsity Catholic and now with Fierce, that just mm -hmm. one woman on a sports team 
um, who is living out the depth of her femininity, who is engaging in a life of prayer, can transform the entire culture of a team. Mm. And Sam was, as she mentioned earlier, um, was working with one of the star players at the U University of Texas at Austin on their volleyball team. And just through a couple of years of walking with her, mentoring with her, suffering, <laughs> suffering with her. Going through hip surgery literally together. Hip, <laughs> literally hip surgery together. It transformed the culture of that team. I think they won a national championship one of those years, mm -hmm. right? Um, and all the girls were praying together, having Bible study. So that's the power, again, of just one, one person who's, who's living their faith, who's, who's walking this to attract, wow. to attract others in the best sense of the word mm -hmm. and lead to transformation. So yeah. it, it doesn't take uh, a majority, just one or two ladies who are living their faith in a beautiful, yeah. integrated way. And that, that issue of body image, and I've gotten a lot more sympathetic to that the older I get and see the pressures that women are under that they're so sexualized in the culture. I mean, the church, sometimes we always wanna be preaching about modesty, modesty, but I, I've kind of come to appreciate more as much as I can, you know, as a man, but just the pressure they're under mm -hmm. and how sexualized everything is yeah. crazy. It's awful. And it seems like sports, you know, you can focus on maybe what the body can do. You can enjoy the body. You know, I think that's a great thing for women. You can enjoy and see like, you know, how you can develop your body and, and do this and achieve this. And I think focusing kind of on what the body can do is less you can get get out of the constant appearance obsession, you know. Right. Do you see that fruit of sports? And yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that there's a natural. I think what our culture has done is is kind of reduce the body or view the body as you know insignificant. I can kind of do whatever I want with it, and it mm -hmm. won't have an effect on on my heart or my soul. And <laughs> you know, we know that that isn't true. And so, um, athletes, but athletes have a a particular, yeah. Um, understanding of their bodies. Mm -hmm. Now you have to be careful because, you know, it's quoted, and this was an NFL player, but, you know, he was just kind of saying, I viewed my body as a machine. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that I could manipulate it in certain ways to perform a task. And while there's a, a, a beauty to that, like, wow, my body can do this. We can't just reduce the body to being a tool. You know, right. there's a beauty to it and a goodness yeah. to it. Um, and on the other end, you know, you find some athletes who, you know, I was talking to a track girl once and she was just like, I don't have an issue with my body. Like I almost idolize my body mm. because I'm so fit and I'm like, look at me, you know? And so at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, you don't want to be too prideful about it and, and be yeah. flaunting it as she was. She goes, yeah. I knew the guys were watching me, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you coming to understand the sacredness of the human yeah. body, um, which is rooted in, you know, the incarnation and. Um, and teaching women, yeah, the beauty of, of all parts of their body um, is, yeah. is important. But I would say, yeah, athletes are particularly receptive to that because of the fact they use their yeah. bodies for their sport. Yeah. But it's all the more reason why I think Fierce is so critical because uh, amongst the athlete community, eating disorders, yeah. body image, and that goes for men and women, not just women. It's, mm -hmm. it's now just almost as equally rampant amongst the men, these eating disorders, body image issues and just even self-loathing are yeah. are very commonplace yeah and having said all that too i do i think there still is a modesty issue with women's sports oh, <laughs> yep. okay. like why women have to play volleyball and, and on the beach in a bikini is still i mean the guys are wearing shorts and a tank top right. you know why do the women have to right. get half naked to play volleyball yeah <laughs> i mean i know there's the ratings that comes down to money i guess but it's uh Seem like there's some purification that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was actually a, I think it was at University of Alabama where the track team, they wore like a more modest uniform. It was some kind of a skirt or something. I forgot what they call it, but their times got better mm -hmm. because they weren't as self-conscious with the modesty issues. And they could just think more about Fly. the sport. Oh, yeah. So that's interesting too, what you said about sacrifice, because I, you know, how men can model that in their sports and just throw themselves into some situation. And I think I was recently reading somewhere just, it was like some secular evolutionary perspective, but like women have to be more conscious of protecting themselves and like for childbirth and things. And mm -hmm. it's like, if, cause if they damage themselves, they're not gonna likely have 
children, be able to bear children. And just so they were just speaking from an evolutionary, how this was kind of hardwired into women to be a little more careful and everything. And I, I never thought of that being manifested maybe in sports, like some guy does something, always pushing the boundaries, cliff diving or something. Sure. You know? <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. Yeah. You've noticed that in, in sports? I or like the sacrifice part on men or something? Oh yeah, yeah. definitely the yeah. sacrifice part on men. Yeah. Um, you know, I know women are trying to get into the football realm, which I have thoughts on, but- um, What are your thoughts negative. on that? I, <laughs> I believe in a gender difference and I uh -huh. believe that, you know, women's sports should be women's sports and men's sports should be male sports. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all in favor of equality, right? But more mm -hmm. equity, like men and women are different. We deserve yeah. to be on the same level, yeah. but it's going to be different. I don't want to be a man. I don't yeah. want to be given yeah. the same opportunities as a man. I want to be a strong woman, yeah. you know? Um, and so, yeah, that whole thing was with football. I, and I don't know if I'll get flack for this, but I'm, I'm opposed to, yeah. but maybe primarily, I, I don't know if I've thought through it that much, but for that reason, yeah. right. Um, women can get severely injured if they're playing against men, Yeah. you yeah. know, it, it just, right. you gotta right. be really be careful. Yeah. Um, I know I say, I'm not even convinced yet of, boxing, MMA, fighting, and even football seems to be, I'd like to see a lot more rules about targeting and you know, protecting concussion sure. and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, which so, I know they're, they yeah. are increasing a lot, yeah. yeah. So it's like, to throw women into that, it's just yeah. something in me as a guy, just like, that's not even right for men, let alone women. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's challenging. Both Sam and I are, quote, strong women and physically strong, but you know, even the strongest women are still gonna be uh, weaker than some of the weaker guys, you yeah. know, gritting yeah. on that curve. And so God, there's a beauty in our difference. There's, there's a complementarity yeah. that, um, that that's how God made us and how we, we glorify him. And I think when we're, that's why I think the feminist movement falls in the secular realm falls so short because it's at, at a subliminal level, at a subconscious level, it's saying who you are as a woman is not good enough. And you, you need to shed your what truly makes you unique and feminine in your receptivity, mm -hmm. in that capacity to see the whole person um, in order to be more like a man. Yeah. So it's actually doing us an even greater right. disservice. Yeah. And even, again, like that teamwork issue, like just to see the wholeness of the game. Mm -hmm. And I think you can bring a real beauty. I was just talking to a, a professional hockey player. He played in Poland. And he said he thought the height of hockey was like like around 2000 when they had a lot more passing. Now it's like you count on turnovers. It's very high speed. If someone makes a mistake, then you capitalize and score. And, um, and I remember not that long ago, I, think I, I went back and watched some like YouTube videos of like David Beckham and some great players. And it was so individualistic, like this great play that they did. It wasn't some great passing play. It was some shot way outside the box, you know, that curved in. And it was all this individualism stuff that, you know, has its place and exciting. But it seems like um, I feel like we've kind of lost something, too, with some of the modern, especially basketball, you know, but mm -hmm. just the focus on the individual. But let's talk about the Catholicism part. You know, I, I thought because uh, I was like an athlete, too, and uh, swimmers and um soccer player and I felt like that helped me like especially in the early days of my conversion just to be disciplined with prayer you know as you work out I'm going to go to the daily mass I'm going to go to the adoration chapel I'm going to get this rosary in and I'm going to fast and stuff and uh, is that what you've experienced like the gifts that athletes especially absolutely yeah. yeah I think they're um when you get an athlete when an athlete encounters our lord they have a particular capacity for the spiritual life one, they're used to visualization. So, you know, mental prayer is is pretty um, easy for them. And then, yeah, just the the virtues they've learned through sport, whether that be um, persistence, determination, um, consistency. Uh, they know what it is to train in order to achieve a greater goal. And so when you introduce spirit, the spiritual life is really a training grounds. Um, they're particularly receptive and... Um, I, yeah, I found do it do it well. Really, are are persistent with their prayer lives and and willing willing to be challenged, mm -hmm. you know, in their prayer lives, um, which is fun. You can yeah. challenge them in different ways. 
And I would think with the encounter part, like the evangelization, the athletes could have a special boldness and, you know, and talking to people and aggressiveness in a good way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they have a platform. I mean, yeah. we never, you, know, you never want to um, evangelize someone to, in order to use their platform, right? Yeah, you know, that yeah. that's using them. But uh-huh. athletes are respected. You know, they'll yeah. walk around a college campus and they just have the respect of their yeah, peers. Yeah. And so when you find an athlete who is willing to openly talk about their faith, um, they have a platform and a lot of people will listen. And then, you know, on the other end, they're, they're with a team uh, and they have access to individuals that they're, they're just sharing life with on a regular basis. And so that encounter piece becomes easy, easier um, because they're always around these individuals. And so, you know, they're on the road and they can have a conversation with a teammate on the bus about their faith yeah. or they can lead a Bible study or, um, you know, these individuals are seeing how they're living their lives because you're literally living with each other and, you know, they'll see you praying, they'll see you going to mass. And, um, and so there's, yeah, there's a lot of, I'd say, positives to that. Yeah. And you hear like a lot of professional athletes going into business or, uh, you know, kind of fields that are more initiative driven where you mm-hmm. just not, you know, so. <laughs> and it seemed like that could really serve the church and the gospel. Yeah, you know? yeah I think yeah. a lot of them go on to become CEOs. And yeah. I don't know what the percentage is. Yeah. It's yeah. something pretty high. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, then they have that ability to influence the yeah. culture that way, too. Yeah, there's a lot of natural like leadership skills and drive and mm-hmm. healthy competition. Um, again, that ability to persevere and work through difficult challenges that are just all cultivated through um, through sport. I know I ended up working in development for a lot of years, both in Focus and mm-hmm. for other wonderful Catholic organizations. And um, uh, one of my mentors looked specifically for athletes because mm-hmm. it there was a perseverance and a drive that was consistent across a lot of people in those types of fields so and maybe like a flip side then we could talk about too that a a downside is i think today there's a lot of kind of like exercise addiction Mm -hmm. you know like if you don't get the workout in you're mentally come apart or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh is what do you tell like young people about that maybe that are leaving their college sport, they're trying to transition to normal life. And, sure. Yeah. yeah, well, if they're coming from that level, I think it is important for them to be working out to some extent, mm-hmm. you know, but you've definitely see the, the pendulum swing too far where they're, you know, overly bodily focused, working out all the time, maybe have yeah. some eating um, issues. Uh, but yeah, again, it's all about moderation and balance. Yeah. And we want to be taking care of the body because it's so sacred. Um, and so encouraging them to find a new way to work out um, or, or be fit and healthy. Um, but again, yeah, they're not going to be playing their sport three hours a day, every day. And so, and that's a tough, that's a tough transition for a lot of athletes, a lot, a lot of athletes. There's really an identity crisis that happens Mm -hmm. because for so many years of their lives, I mean, hours and hours of their day and, and even, you know, the off hours revolve around their sport. And so, um, that's why, um, emphasizing that identity piece that you're a daughter of God, your identity is not in the fact that you're a great track runner. Um, beforehand is is huge, uh, but then also helping encouraging, <clears throat> excuse me, helping encourage them to to take that energy and put it put it somewhere, put it into their career, put it into their spiritual life, put it in um, to working out in a in a different way mm-hmm. and finding a, a community in a different way. I am now a competitive rower, mm-hmm. and um, you know I I got out of you know playing college soccer and ended up having to have a shoulder surgery and then a year later a hip surgery. Um, and so I was out of athletics for a while and I found that when I'm working out, just my mental clarity, uh, my peace of heart, you know, just because I grew up, my body is, was mm-hmm. used to working out every day. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a balance there, of course. But, you know, since I've gotten back into this realm of, of rowing, it's a new sport, it's a new challenge, but it's also a new grounds for evangelization. Um, I mm-hmm. met one of my, my best friends through rowing. And at the time she had, she was a fallen away Catholic and now is, um, back in her faith and um, act, has an active prayer and, and sacramental life. And that was just through us rowing together. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really fun to encourage athletes to, you know, look for new mission fields um, and using their gifts and talents, whether that's doing CrossFit or going to the gym or jo- joining a new sport. Um, it's, it's fun. It's fun to 
kind of challenge them in those ways. You know, I've, I've kind of had trouble finding balance myself with, you know, I entered the monastery and basically we just play basketball out here a little, you know, once a week or something, but then getting, there's no court over there anymore. <laughs> but it, you know, later I started going back to exercising on my own and stuff. And I started bicycle riding and I, uh, and I started doing longer and longer workouts and just like loving it, you know, getting outside beauty, relax and you get stronger. And, um, but I, I found one, I started going too long. Mm -hmm. And then it's like you're eating more so you can have a better ride. And it's like this vicious, crazy cycle. <laughs> and, uh, and then just the time, you know, yeah. not every day or something. But um, I had this funny thing happen. This is only like four or five months ago. I was saying, I said, I'm just, I'm doing this too much. You know, I said, Lord, detach me from this. Now, I, I made it clear and I laughed in my prayer. I said, Lord, I'm not asking for an injury or to get hurt or some kind of wreck on the bike or anything. Because <laughs> I know the Lord always, in my experience, when you pray for detachment from something, he'll answer it. He loves to answer that prayer. <laughs> but I, we have a rowing machine. I, I started a row and then this one day after rowing, it's like I hurt my knee and I, it wasn't, it was gentle in a sense. I didn't mm -hmm. even know when I did it. It was just like the next day, something wasn't right. And, you know, I had it looked at by the doctors, all this kind of stuff. But basically, it just kept me off the bicycle for yeah. months and months. But I, I've been thinking more about, okay, well, hopefully when I can exercise again, to have a good balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm not good with balance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do y'all, what does it look like, Angela, maybe balance? Well, I, I know um, when I stopped playing because I, you know, probably started from the age of five, I played sports all year round. And thankfully there were different sports, so I never had any major injuries and was really healthy. But when then I stopped playing competitive basketball, starting my sophomore year of college, it was a huge identity shift. And, you know, as, as you're both alluding to, you go from practicing, especially in college, you know, basically four hours a day by the time you factor in tape and everything else to, to what is, what does this new normal look like? And I, it took me a while. And I'd say um, even just in the past four or five years, because I've done sprint triathlons and done, I, I'm a, I love to hike and be outdoors and cycle and different things like that. Um, but there's, there's a, even a new, and I'm in my late 30s now, even a new layer of integration um, where for me, um, a lot of my sport now are, are things like tennis and skiing and water skiing and and then rather than running marathons or half marathons, I, I do a lot of walking. And, but it's been a transition over time to find that balance and also to get rid of that ideal. The ideal is my two hour workout, right? Mm -hmm. And then being okay with, well, maybe today it's gonna be a 30 to 40, 40 minute walk and some of my exercises over here that I can do in 20 minutes. So it, I think it, it's a daily, you know, a daily struggle and also with the seasons of life. You yeah. know, different seasons in my life based upon the community that I'm in and my work environment have afforded more time yeah. for exercise. And um, I'm now uh, anticipating a, a beautiful little daughter with my husband, Bill, um, in a couple of months. So being pregnant has meant that's been another shift and I'm sure it'll be another shift as I'm a young mom. So, um, but I think finding that moderation is, is a constant invitation yeah. for growth. I heard somebody put it, this one woman was talking about a very busy life. She said her theme for working out is just better than nothing. Correct. Yeah. And a little bit of sweat something. is better than nothing, <laughs> even if it's just, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and being, but that, that's a, but for both my husband and my husband play division one football, it's, it's a shift for both of us. Cause you always want the ideal. We, we yeah. always have that vision of what it, what we used to be or what yeah. the ideal workout was. And it's like, this is a different season of life. And you don't so. enjoy it when you're trying mm -hmm. to reach something that you, you can't do what you did at 18 mm -hmm. or 20. Right. Exactly. It's different. <laughs> and, yeah. If you just kind of go out, cause I've kind of discovered walking more now too, mm -hmm. just go out for a simple walk and do some maybe light weights or something. Yeah. And and it's just it's just enough to get make you feel a little better, mm -hmm. lift your mood kind of yep. thing. I remember when I graduated from college, I, I swam a couple years in college and then and I remember meeting this guy who was a coach at up in Huntsville and I remember he was a two hundred flyer, mm -hmm. like two hundred meter butterfly. 
which to me was like, how can anybody swim race 200 fly? You know? And now he was telling me that he, he, now he just does fitness walking. And I remember thinking, man, you were like the top of the swimming <laughs> chain. And, uh, but yeah, there's some reasonable transition mm -hmm. that, you know, an athlete has to make. Yeah. But, uh, and it, it sounds funny because I always thought that I needed to be running miles and miles a day. And, and again, there's a, it's a time and a season for that. But I really even found in the past couple of years, yeah, just getting out for, you know, a good vigorous walk in the woods, which does clear my head yeah. and is really conducive to prayer. And then doing where I, I, you know, back when I was more of a competitive athlete or even doing triathlons, I needed to have a little more muscle. I don't need as much muscle now. So using lighter weights, but I found I got back in even better shape because um, it, it kept my, my eating in more moderation because yeah. I wasn't as hungry because I wasn't yeah. burning as many calories. Yeah. So just I think for all of us, it's that art of finding yeah. where's that, that integration and balance with our bodies. But it, it's a, it takes a little while. Yeah, there was some study that showed actually like these extreme exercise people, they actually wind up gaining weight mm -hmm. because they feel like they got this license to gorge themselves on mm -hmm. food. <laughs> I said, that's America mm -hmm. right yeah, there. It is. <laughs> that's true. Well, any parting thoughts as we wrap this up? Any point maybe we didn't make, you wanted to make? Uh, but, uh, I think, uh, especially as my husband and I are anticipating a beautiful little daughter, and uh, again, we're both athletes and would certainly and had such a wonderful experience being athletes. I know that we both have a little hesitation of, gosh, what kind of an environment if, if our daughter, she could be an artist, we don't even know what God has called her to. But if she does have an aptitude towards athletics, you know, how can we help her to have an environment that's conducive to her integration of femininity? Um, you know, fierce gives me a lot of hope mm -hmm. towards that, that there will be opportunities available and that we can shift this culture. Um, that it, it can be a really positive environment for our young ladies to flourish and be formed and, and not, not the counter, which is what we're seeing so right. often right now. Right. So this, I think this can give a lot of hope to parents and grandparents um, that this, this mission has uh, been called into life in and through Samantha for just such a time as this to help reintegrate female sports. Yeah, and I like, Samantha, your your background of doing the academics, you know, the, the psychology, the theology of the body stuff. I think that'll really bless your work to give you balance. Uh, so, well, thanks so much for chatting with us. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks Thank for you. having us. Thank you for having us.